Ben, I've been looking all over. We need to record, man. Hey, yo, Teo. No can do, dude, yo. I'm heading to the roller disco. Ah, I was gonna ask about the, uh, get up. Rad, huh? I don't know. Neon pink shell suits not really in vogue these days. Yeah, I'm trend setting, cool cruising, rainbow styling. Must be the first roller disco in 20 years. Don't want to miss that. Care to join me? Well, actually, there's a resurgence in roller discos at the moment. Skates and blades have been selling out. In Australia, it's more popular now than in the 80s. Not to be square about it. A tip to be square. Finger on the pulse, me. That's what I like about you, Teo. Why I need you for this. For what? You didn't hear? There's been a crime. Crime? Murder. Whoa, that sounds pretty bad. Oh, it is. Deliciously devilish. Positively profane. Magnificently monstrous. Enough with the alliteration. Shouldn't we, I don't know, call the police? Don't be a buzzkill, Killjoy. You and me, we're the perfect investigators. Let's go together, arm in arm. But we're podcast hosts, not detectives. Oh, come on, Grizzly. No one said massacres can't be a good time. I'm saying it. I'm saying it now. Massacres, not a good time. Come now. Let's make the most of it, if you get my meaning. I do not. There's absolutely no double entendre there. But there could be. You need to open your mind to the possibilities. Here, have a headphone. Have you been listening to this music the entire time? Of course. It's not an investigation without pumping tunes. And we are scooching to a disco after all. Listen, Ben, I get you're trying to do an intro here, but I really feel this is getting out of hand. If someone's been killed... Shh, shh. The headphones on, bro. Listen to the headphones. But uh, I'm not... <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I guess this does feel kind of groovy. Ooh, yeah. How does that sound? Beautiful. Like a chocolate raclette. I guess I could hunt some clues. I guess I'll give Clue Solvin another shot. Oh, yes, you will. Get your skates on, sugar. Who's the crime daddy? Teo's the crime daddy. Goddamn right, Starlight. And who's Teo? I'm Teo. Yep, and I'm Ben. And this is... Pixel Vision. Very nice, very nice. Back to one take times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't want to get carried away. We're not David Fincher. You know what I mean? How are things on the island? No man is an island, Teo. No man is an island. No, no man is an island. <laughs> That's where I'm going with this. What game are we talking about, Teo? We're talking about Paradise Killer. Wait, I'll try it again. Paradise Killer. You know how it says it when you start a new game? Every time you start your, or like continue your investigation, it's like... Paradise, Paradise Killer. Killer. Does it? Yeah, it says it in a kind of like old school retro way. Never no, noticed that. I honestly don't think I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I just loaded the game and then just stayed in the game until it finished. Or is that why you've got 33 hours in game? <laughs> Very possibly, yeah. Yeah. You played it all through in one sitting? No, I don't reckon. I mean, I definitely didn't, 100%. I did spend a lot of time in the game and stayed there for a long time. It was a... Uh, immersive experience ah you said immersive experience as if to disguise some misgivings <laughs> no actually actually oh, really? not at all I, I wanted to ask you what you thought first because mine's a total giveaway because i absolutely loved it oh well nice okay well i'll tell everyone what it's about then uh so yeah it's uh, it's paradise no, killer no you won't oh okay what's your reaction i gave my reaction what's your reaction um i i loved it i did i love it I wanted to love it and there were parts of it that I did love and I definitely found it quite addictive and there wasn't any point where I stopped enjoying it but I don't think I'd play it again and then when I was I only finished it yesterday and when I was kind of reflecting on it I kind of realised actually there are a few things which I didn't like about it so yeah we'll get onto those okay interesting interesting I would actually go so far as to say this is one of my favourite games that we've covered on the pod. Wow. Probably tucking in behind Obradin and Discolysium because they were just kind of a little bit next level. I've obviously enjoyed a lot of the games we've covered, 
But this one, it just landed for me. I was just in the comfort zone the whole time. Excellent. Excellent. Go on. All right. Now you can give your little Teo monologue. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So yeah, it is Paradise Killer, a mystery, murder mystery puzzle detective game. You play as Lady Love Dies, an exiled investigator from a perfect island or what is meant to be a perfect island in a rather bizarre and fantastical science fiction world. There are classes of people on the island. So there's the council who are the leaders. There's the syndicate who are the kind of upper echelons of society. And then there are citizens who are basically fodder for everyone else. And you return from exile because you were possessed by demons on a previous island and you've been in exile for three million days. But when the game starts, the whole of the council has been murdered. And so the interim leader or part of the interim leadership has taken you back out of exile, told you to come back to the island and solve the mystery of the murder. Is paradise worth saving? That's for me to decide. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I reckon so. Okay, cool. Which now allows me to say that in response to one of your early criticisms where you were like, I'm not sure I'd play it again. I don't think this is the kind of game you play again, is it? Because it's a detective game, so you arrive at a solution. Unless the game's a lot more convoluted and clever than I give it credit for, which I don't think it is, there's only really one correct outcome, ultimately. Mm. And so once you know that, I'm not sure you would play it again. No, and it's definitely not like Obradin, where where that game is like 44 whodunits. This is very much one whodunit. Sort of, yeah. There are a few murders and a few other mysteries to untangle, as well as the council murder, though, aren't there? Yeah, there are a few other much smaller crimes that have happened. We should say as well, this is going to be another spoiler episode. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a detective game. Everything we say is going to reveal too much. So if you're going to play it, if you're considering playing it, and Taylor, would you recommend people play it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, cool, cool. So that's a joint recommend from me and Tay. So stop listening, get the game, play the game, and then come back. That is the only time you will ever hear me say stop listening. (laughs) Yeah. And it's heavily caveated with you must come back and resume listening. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, I didn't mention it, but it's first person. There's no combat at all. You're looking for clues on this island it's made in unreal engine so the graphical style is definitely not photorealistic in any way like sometimes it's quite pixelated and low resolution but it generally looks quite pretty just because unreal engine i guess allows you to make things look pretty quite easily these days yeah although they haven't bothered with textures nah. the polygons are still pretty chunky like it feels simplistic but sort of simplistically beautiful. Hmm. There's a lot of sort of extremely psychedelic colours and the shadows are all good and the light's good. But the graphics in terms of textures are quite better, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. So like you're on an island, obviously, so there's going to be a lot of water everywhere and the water animation is pretty nice. It's almost like slightly jarring some things being really well animated and then the people, for instance, are just literally two-dimensional flat paper images in this three-dimensional world. And as you move around them, they sort of like rotate (laughs) on on an axle, like a piece of origami. Like cardboard cutouts. Like when you go into a game shop and they're promoting the latest Assassin's Creed and you can stand next to them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, I actually quite like that. Yeah, it's cool. I haven't seen that in other games. I'm sure it is in other games probably. But for me, it was kind of like, puts you on a world in the same way as Mist or Riven does. But then the characters that you interact with are just paper literally paper thin yeah and it's cool because then when you talk to them obviously like a a dialogue overlay comes up and a much higher resolution piece of artwork of their body comes into view so it's in that way it's like almost less jarring than a game that tries to do shoddier 3d models and then goes for that painterly style for portraits yeah yeah exactly totally agree And also it means you avoid that wooden facial animation that you always get in those close-up talking heads interviews that you get in RPGs. You know, where someone stood there like an actual robot (laughs) and just their jaw goes up and down. And maybe they like gesture with their head a little bit, but it looks awful. Yeah, because they animate the cartoons, so they'll have 
I don't know, 10 or so different drawings for each character. And depending on what their reaction is or what mood they're in, they'll change their picture as you're talking to them. So it looks quite cartoonish and cool like that. Yeah. Like your main character, Lady Love Dies, randomly shows a bit of thigh, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she does. Oh, wait, her thigh's always just poking out from the side there, isn't it? No, no, it flits about a little bit. Really? Sometimes it's there. Yeah, sometimes it's there. It's almost like she's got one of those split dresses on and sometimes she like pushes her leg forward and you see a bit more and then she pulls it back. Mm. Which actually kind of brings me on to, because in the Twitter sphere at least, and I don't know how it's been received elsewhere, as far as I can tell, people tend to review this as fairly kind of horny game a little bit randy it's got a bit of a reputation online which i was kind of surprised by because coming to play it i don't really find that so i'm one of those people who as soon as you boot a game go straight into the settings menu see what the options are can i turn on subtitles turn off vibration i hate when vibration's on by default went into the settings menu with this there's a mature filter mature content filter is that on or off by default that's a really good point so I can't remember if I toggled it on. <laughs> you see a mature toggle, you toggle it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I meant like... <laughs> you dirty bastard. <laughs> no, I can't remember if I toggled it off, as in I didn't want to be censored, or if I toggled it on because I didn't want to be censored. I'm not sure if it's a filter or if it's a sort of permissions allowed. What am I trying to say here? I think you're trying to say that you didn't want the game to be censored. You wanted the mature content. But you can't remember if the mature content is on by default or not. Right, exactly. So I don't know what your experience of playing the game was, but for me, it didn't really feel like there was any mature content. Other than sort of just built into the story, maybe there's some like a slight bit of kink suggested that here or there, but not really. Mm. And so maybe your experience was different, but otherwise I'm not totally clear on where that reputation has come from. Other than like blood and gore of the murders, which you never see, there's nothing, like we said, it's all cartoon graphics, but like there's a bunch of blood on the floor. But I mean, some of the characters are quite sexualized. So there's one character called Crimson Acid, who is the idol of the island and she's been blessed by a god. So she has the head of a goat. Is that right? Yeah. So she has the head of a goat, but the body of a woman. That is a blessing. Who wouldn't want to be blessed by a god <laughs> if that's the result? <laughs> there's posters of her all around the island as the kind of... Well, yeah, the idol for the citizens to worship, to kind of like keep them subdued, I suppose. Well, and also Dr. Doom Jazz is a man who permanently has his hands behind his head and pushing his chest out and he's like ripped, like six pack abs and his top up and stuff. Yeah, and has a reputation for... Promiscuity. Promiscuity, yeah, with other people on the island. And there's a few references to... He has these mechanical arms, like you said. And there's a few references to like his fingers in a kind of like filthy way. I don't get it, Taylor. What? What? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to get any further. They're mechanical fingers. They make a joke about what he could do. Lady Love Die's been in exile for three million days. So she sees Doom Jazz with these new mechanical arms. And there's some sort of reference to like what he can get up to with his newly improved fingers. There's as much as I'm going to say. That was the single most thrilling experience of my whole life. Right. leave the rest to your imaginations which the game does do more or less and actually you can like in a lot of rpgs you can sort of hang out with the characters mm. up to a point where you maybe get given more information by them and when you reach hangout max with a few of them it gives you the option to um enjoy one another's company for the night let's say but it doesn't show anything like whereas rpgs like mass effect or Dragon Age or something like that, or The Witcher for a really extreme version, uh, will properly just throw it all on screen or give you lots of giggling and other audio effects. This just does a sort of fade to black and then back up, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man, thinking back to those Mass Effect and Dragon Age scenes, like they're so stupid, aren't they? Like the graphics, and <laughs> there's just something so stupid about trying to do that. Huh. <laughs> oh, we're floating right into the... Um... Ouch. Who cares? Ow. Ow. I think they exist purely for Rule 34, don't they? Just so that the internet can have fun. What's Rule 34? The internet law that says if it exists, there's a porn version of it. Right, okay, okay. It's interesting that people see it as leaning into a kind of dating sim 
vibe at the same time as it being a murder mystery detection game. Because there's games like... Um, there's one that has like monsters, it's like a monster university, which is like a dating simulator. There's another one called like Something Daddy. There's been a few of these quite high profile cartoon dating sims that have a similar art style to this. Right. That have come out in the last few years. I haven't played any of them, but I've read about them. So thinking about it now, I can see how people would sort of like see it as a bit one of those. Because all of the characters, who are, by the way, suspects in the case, like who shot Mr. Bernstein? Everyone in town's a suspect. <laughs> well, I couldn't possibly solve this mystery. Can you? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you know, it's my job, right? Most of the island's inhabitants have moved on to the next island. Yeah, so there's only about 10 characters on there. Mm, and the people left, it has to be one of them. So everyone has a suspect, but you can still hang out with them all like as if they're your mates. Mm. <laughs> so much that they're your mates that you feel like weird about accusing them of crimes. Yeah. Which is quite cool, I think, when it comes towards the end of it. are weird aren't they crimson acid all right that's not too bad dr doom jazz one last kiss the witness he's not just called the witness he's called the witness to the end the witness to the end yeah all of the names are really weird and i mentioned it in the lore at the beginning but the world in which you inhabit is very strange this isn't the real world this is almost like a different reality like gods and demons are real but they're aliens and the purpose of your syndicate of the people you work for is to resurrect these gods but they've actually done a terrible job of resurrecting the gods. There's just this one, like, crap god living in these pyramids which surround the island. They've got one of these gods, but he's, like, rubbish. And really, what these guys have done, the syndicate, is just made life nice for themselves. Yeah. They go into the real world and, like, grab people to use as sort of worship cattle. Kind of black and white style where the more worshippers you have, the more kind of energy Builds. It's a bit unclear. What do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely think that's true. Because at the end of every island, did we talk about that? The fact that you're on island 24, it's about to become island 25. Mm, no, we didn't. And each island is striving for perfection. Mm. And each one, for whatever reason, fails and there's some catastrophe. But they're pretty confident that this Island 24 is the final sort of flawed version yeah. before perfect Island 25. So all of the billboards that Crimson Acid occupies, for instance, that Teo alluded to, are all touting how brilliant Paradise 25 or Island 25 is going to be and all that kind of stuff. There is quite a Vegas vibe to it, isn't there, with the commercial undertone of everything and like vending machines flashing and like uh, lots of sounds and lights that are flashing yeah. but yeah the great irony of the game is that it's called Paradise Island but it's not actually a paradise at all it's like quite a mangy little island with a very strange world demons occasionally occupying it it's got a barracks on the island like this sort of weird military rule with marshals running around mm. the actual resort itself is like a gross resort in the style of, um, you know, when you see a really overpopulous beach on the Costa del Sol or somewhere mm. where there's these functional buildings that just aren't very nice and the pools all look like they've been squished to fit between the tower blocks. It's that aesthetic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tell you what's next, old Terry and Kiefer on the Costas, living it up, getting drunk cause a ruckus now they need a bandage in the A&E, cussing like F the language. All we want is a decent sandwich, not beer and tapas. All they know about the culture is beer and tapas. All they know about the culture is flamenco maracas and Spanish birds go like the clappers. That's what British is. I want no part of this game, trying to see who's the British is. It's a tiny island and it's interesting like the next island like you say is advertised as perfect 25 but you get strongly the impression that every new island has been advertised as like this one's going to be perfect yeah so immediately you have like zero faith in this and the island's like littered with little relics and items you can pick up which gives you hints to the lore of the past mm, yeah the discoverables mm. we'll come on to those though because 
on the point you were talking about before with the citizens being fodder and oh, yeah. that kind of stuff at the end of each island all the citizens are slaughtered and like harvested basically aren't they for their souls or whatever it is yeah. for some reason they're all ritually killed anyway yeah it's not clear whether that's just a thing which has to happen because that island's about to end and they aren't able to transport to the new dimension of the new island yeah I mean, to be fair, a lot about the lore wasn't very clear, I didn't think. I found it quite confusing, partly because these names are confusing. They're more like phrases than names. Or like a mishmash of famous people. So like Eyes, Kiwama, Kafka something or other. Yeah. I felt like they'd just like taken a, an algorithm of like famous authors and famous people and just mushed all their names together and like seen what came out of the machine. Oh, that's a bit harsh, I think. No, no. Because I think there was some quite thoughtful commentary going in there. Because like with the Kafka one, when something's described as Kafkaesque, it's thought to be very bureaucratic and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? Mm. And like the character who's called Kafka Memrise or whatever they're called, that's a bit annoying, Kafka Memories maybe? Something like that, is a council member. And the board are meant to be like a bureaucracy. It's more thoughtful than you're giving it credit for there. All right. But I definitely do think that the names themselves are so disparate that there isn't really a theme. One of them is just called Yuri Knight. Carmelina Silence. It's almost like they've got to choose their own names and they've chosen names which they think are cool. And like sometimes they are and sometimes they're really not. <laughs> yeah. But, although to be fair, most of the names are quite cool. But like Lydia Daybreak, like... Yeah, and Sam Daybreak. So those guys are a couple, aren't they? Uh, they get called the happy couple on the island. And at the end of the game, when you're levelling accusations, if you choose to level an accusation at those guys, they're like one person. They're like mm. one victim. Like if you accuse one of them, you are also accusing the other one kind of thing because they're, they're joined in the hip, as it were. Mm -hmm. Sam Daybreak, by the way, is just a skeleton man. Yeah. Everyone else is regular kind of immortal humans but he's a, just a red skeleton yeah <laughs> they're not all regular humans though because there's demons around as well and some of them are like dominated by demons and like you said crimson acid has a goat head oh yeah yeah of course and they do talk about blessings from the gods and there is a backstory as to why he is a red skeleton and the fact he's a red skeleton kind of plays into the crime a little bit doesn't it uh does it yeah, he's seen poking around in the doctor's pharmacy. Oh, yeah, that's one of the leads you have, for sure. Yeah, and his defence is that he needs to pick up a prescription because his body's, like, withering because mm -hmm. he's a skeleton and he needs to keep himself sustained. Mm -hmm. So, like, they kind of bring it into the plot. I mean, I'm not trying to suggest that the plot is extremely clever or subtle or well thought out, necessarily. And, in fact, I would say when you get towards the end... It's almost a deus ex machina, the way the actual crime was carried out. But we can get there a little bit further into the episode, I think. It is, yeah, yeah, let's save that, let's save that. We're doing that thing again where we kind of like string people along and don't give them the info right at the start. Yeah, which is pointless because a lot of them have probably now stopped and played the game and come back because we told them to. So they already know the answer, but just in case they didn't. Yeah, but it works with the flow of the discussion, I think. Yeah, yeah gives it a shape doesn't it so yeah we were talking about the upgrades and the unlockables that are kind of scattered around the island that they call relics mm -hmm. way too many if i've got a criticism it's that fuck me there are way too many relics aren't there like to begin with every corner you turn around has a relic mm -hmm. and initially you start off actually it's vaguely reminiscent of control in that regard because like you said with control you start off trying to read all of the bits of papers and documents that you find but there are just so many that you start to lose interest. It's almost um, self-defeating. Mm. I did read most of them, to be fair. Not all of them, but they are very short. Like each relic you pick up, it might only be a sentence or two. Mm. But you're right. On your screen in front of you, there are five relics and you go over to each one and like hoover them up. By the third or the fourth, you're kind of like, I'm just picking this up because it's there. I don't care what it says. Yeah. So it doesn't make them feel special enough to want to read everyone. No, and they don't really have a role in the game either. Like most of the other collectibles do have a role and we'll come on to that. But with these, I think it's meant to just pad out the lore and give you something extra to do. And they let you know that they're there by making this sound like... When you get near to them. Yeah. Which yeah. to begin with, is so annoying because you're hearing it everywhere. But obviously, as you thin out all of the collectibles, 
then that becomes a really useful little clue that something's nearby. Another example of one of the collectibles, you find these whiskies along the island and whenever you pick one up, it takes you to just a conversation in a bar between these two people who are kind of philosophizing on yeah. their point of life or a, a little nugget of existence. Those bits are almost um, noir, aren't they? Mm, they are, yeah. I think they're meant to be two people that are on the new island, which you've yet to go to. Did they remind you of the Kentucky Route Zero bar scenes? Absolutely, they did, yeah, for sure. You gain a few different little powers throughout the game, a double jump, a dash, and then this meditation where when you click it, it just reveals all the icons that you can collect. Yeah, but only, only fleetingly. So they appear on the screen for a couple of seconds. I actually didn't love the way that was implemented because was it annoying, almost yeah. has a loading time, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so every time you meditate, it like blacks out the screen and then reboots the screen with these little hearts on. And it looks cool when they're there and they change colour from like pulse yellow to pink, which is nice for a heart as well, I thought. Yeah. But kind of annoying because you'd like decide which secret you were going to head to and then it would have disappeared by the time you got there. You'd have to do it again just a bit repetitive especially by the end yeah agreed and it's like either let me see them or don't don't just make it annoying for me to see them but you can see why they did that a little bit like you said in desperados you just have it on all the time if you could have it on all the time yeah so there sort of has to be a little penalty for it well we are on criticisms one of the things that I found a little bit irritating as well. And this seems petty. I'm well aware it seems petty. But given that this is a text-driven game, I'd have liked to have seen a few less typos. Oh, I didn't actually notice any typos. Oh, I noticed a good few. I see this quite a lot, actually. I found it a lot in Disco Elysium too. And I get it. You know, there's like hundreds of pages of dialogue. But you just think, if you can do it for a book, if you can have an editor pour over it and go over it again and again and make sure the mistakes come out, like, do it for a game, do you know what I mean? Mm. Especially because everything else is done so well. Like, they've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. It's just a shame that there were a few little sneaky ones. That said, players such as yourself who aren't paying attention might not even notice. What? Come on. <laughs> I'm a very active reader. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised I didn't notice those. And one of the main collectibles as well as the currency for the island, Blood Crystals, who uh, we haven't mentioned him yet, but a little demon called Shinji. Uh, demons are very bad, but Shinji is an incredibly weak one. So he's nothing more than a minor annoyance. So he gets away with being on the island somehow. He's actually one of my favourite characters, Shinji. Is he? Yeah. I think minor annoyance is an understatement. I found him a major annoyance. Really? He has this sort of cackle. Most characters are always in the same place. So you can just go over to where they live, essentially, and talk to them. Shinji, he appears like a hundred times on the island, just in different places. And you know he's near because he does this <laughs> little cackle. Yeah. And then explodes in a fiery ball of flames after he's done his dialogue. Yeah, and his dialogue is usually slightly surreal, slightly sort of taunting. Doesn't really contribute anything other than every now and again, if you haven't already found a clue, he might sort of nudge you in the right direction, would you say? Oh yeah, for sure. But he's also quite philosophical and critical of the syndicate, the plan for the islands, your role, everyone's role on the island. Like, we haven't mentioned him yet, but the person that will eventually judge the crime and that has brought you back from exile is called Judge. And he's sort of attached to the island in a way which is... a kind of unclear but it allows him to sort of analyze the truth in a apparently equal way he's technically the the moral moral arbiter the arbiter yeah the arbiter is exactly the right word for it whereas shinji is a bit more chaotic but is actually not more moral but has a bit more to say just by virtue of being more critical he's quite anarchic though isn't he it's almost like he's that annoying philosopher I've met a few of these. Diogenes. Who, like, every time you try and assert an opinion, it's kind of like, yeah, but why? You give a follow-up and then they're like, yeah, but why? He's kind of like that. And so every time you think, you know, like your answers are always quite confident. And then he always has a quip that he comes back and he always has the last word and then just bellows up in a little ball of flame. Yeah. He is like Diogenes, like walking around with a lantern in the middle of the day. Like, well, why not this kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
there is some social commentary going on in general throughout the game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We sort of alluded to it at the description of the island, which is kind of, if you're after a banalogy this time around, I thought the island is like drinking a Vimto in the sun while you're stuck in a traffic jam. Everything about it's like quite artificial. It's like aspirationally comforting, but in fact, your true surroundings are not great. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? And I think that that's the whole point. <laughs> like it's designed to be like that. Drinking a Vimto in a traffic jam. So not getting on board with this banality. I love that. No, I think it works really well. I hate the taste of Vimto and I hate being in a traffic jam, so it does, it hits for me. For some of our listeners, they might not know what Vimto is because I think it's a UK only drink. Oh. So how would you describe a Vimto? Just a sort of fizzy Ribena? Yeah, really, really sugary blackcurrant. Uh, so so sugary that all taste of blackcurrant is just replaced by kind of artificial, uh, yeah, sweetener taste. Disgusting. Yeah. But it's sold as your tropical drink, isn't it? Your mm. tropical, refreshing island beverage. Mm. And that's what I mean. It's not. It's very artificial and like false about that. Yeah. And given that these people are immortal and have as much time as they want to create this perfect paradise, what that speaks to is just how vacuous they are as people. It's almost like their immortality has made their lives so meaningless that they now just embody that meaninglessness they're either sort of vying for power amongst themselves backstabbing each other which we'll get on to or they've had relationships and they've all failed but because they're there forever it's almost like everyone's already been in a relationship with everyone else already yeah with the notable exception of sam and lydia daybreak who are genuinely still really in love and yeah the only happy couple on the island it is like a little microcosm of society isn't mm, it yeah for sure but yeah some of the social commentaries are like at one stage one of the characters one last kiss says you can tell how far a society is from collapse by how many people flock to demagogues i thought mm. that's a line for 2020 and then the whole premise in some ways is quite sort of post-truth in the way that you, judge doesn't tell you to find the truth he tells you to find your own truth. Yeah. And constantly Lady Love dies is like, is this a fact or a truth? Yeah, it's it's true. I, I never really quite got my head around that because there is this opposition between truths and facts. And it's like, well, you find the facts and then you make the truth. So yeah, it is quite philosophical in that way for sure. Yeah, because basically what it's saying is if you've discovered enough facts, you can spin a narrative out of them and declare that as the truth mm. as supported by the facts. But if you haven't discovered all the facts or you've missed a few, then the whole story changes and the truth becomes something different entirely, which I think it does really well because throughout the whole game, up until that clangor that we talked about already of the deus ex machina mm. <laughs> of who actually did the killing, up until then, I found myself guessing constantly and re-evaluating my timeline and my plot. I was like, oh, they're definitely responsible. Like they're definitely tied into it. And then I'd discover a new fact and be like, Actually, I'm forced to reevaluate here because that just doesn't work. For instance, there's a, the way the murder is carried out, the murderer has got through four seals in the council building, and each seal is meant to be super secretive and no one knows about how to break it. And the first one's quite a generic sort of pin code, really, a combo of symbols. Mm. But it's out in like a space void. You need like a helmet to be able to breathe the air and stuff. That's what I was going to mention just then, is that you find two helmets. One of them smells of Lydia's perfume, and the other one has pink flowers, oh, which yeah, is yeah. like Yuri Knight's hair. Yeah, so straight yeah. away, if you've only found one of those, you're like, oh, well, it's that person who went through the lock. But then when you find the other one, you're like, oh, actually, now I've got two. Like, which one of them did it kind of thing? Yeah, and that's yeah. true of sort of each stage of the lock. I'm trying to remember now. The fourth seal is you need godlike blood. What's the third seal again? Peace of a god. And then uh, the third seal is council blood. Ah, uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. How they've managed to get through all of those locks is a key line of inquiry. It kind of implies that the person that has managed to get through all of them is going to be the person that did it. Because as you say, like at multiple points, you find out that more than one person could have got through each one of them. So you're trying to find out who's like 100% getting through them all. Yeah. They already have a suspect in custody, don't they? 
So the Grand Marshal, who's like in charge of all the marshals on the island, like sort of the general, as it were. I will kill you, Nerokadito. I can't, can't remember exactly what she says, but she hates you. Yeah, every time she talks to you, she's just basically threatening to end your life. She consistently insists that the suspect she's caught is the right one. And initially, if you're anything like me, you start and you're like, there's just no chance. Like, that wouldn't be a game if they already have the right suspect. But then as you start uncovering clues, you're like, well, maybe, actually. Maybe they have got the right suspect. And there's a few facts here that could substantiate that. But then obviously you keep going and, and they have got the wrong suspect. <laughs> One of the first things you find out just after you investigate the initial crime scene, you can't get through to the council chamber where the actual bodies are initially because you yourself can't get through these seals that we mentioned. But right at the gate, there's meant to be these two marshals, which um, Henry Division yeah. uh, has killed. He's the suspect. But straight away, your computer, which we haven't even mentioned yet, you have this kind of fact-checking, super-analyzing laptop with you called Starlight. And it checks out the blood of these two supposed marshals that are guarding the council chamber. And it's just not their blood. And it's like, well, that is a fact, an irrefutable fact kind of thing. So if the marshals that were guarding it were not the marshals then immediately the marshals themselves are implicated and it's kind of hard to get away from that from the start would you not say yeah that is true definitely there's also some other flaws with it like some of the evidence they've held against henry is his school reports <laughs> and things like that <laughs> the game's got quite a playful sense of humor in that regard i don't necessarily think it's jokes land very often I definitely didn't find it laugh out loud funny, but I think the tone of the game is very playful and that's kind of what matters. Yeah, well, everyone is quite chill about this murder. Nobody's like crying or over the top hysterics. This Marshall, she's probably the most over the top character in the game. I don't know, actually. Every time you talk to Henry Division, he's just swearing at you. Yeah, but even Henry Division's pretty kind of like, just get it over with. You say I did it, so I did it. I can't remember. Yeah, the nihilism. He's rude, but he's resigned to his fate a little bit, isn't he? because everyone's immortal or actually henry division isn't but because all of your syndicate the people that are on your level are immortal it's like they don't really care yeah but henry division isn't he isn't because he's a citizen but it's right that he's nihilistic because all citizens get killed at the end of the island anyway and it is the end of the island so like he is gonna die whether or not he's found guilty so you're right like for him it's like did i do it who cares yeah yeah One of the game mechanics is that you hang out with them, as I mentioned before, to get a bit more information. Mm -hmm. And for some characters that works, like Lydia, she's the first character you meet in the game. She's the fairy woman, so she kind of takes you to the next island. She's your mate. Like, there's no way of getting around mm. it. Like, she's like, oh, I've missed you so much. Mm. LD, she calls you, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, love dies, LD. It's been not the same without you. Let's have a drink sometime. And, like, every time you meet up with her and hang out, she takes you on a drive around the island and you have a chat mm-hmm. in her car, which is, like, one of those low riders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a super retro aesthetic. It's riding on that same, like, nostalgia wave that we've seen recently with the same sort of impetus that drives Stranger Things and exactly yeah. and all the remakes and that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, so for her, it makes sense that you're hanging out. Whereas for a character like Akiko, the Grand Marshal, who literally every time you speak to her, she says, I hate you and I'm going to kill you. And for Henry Division, who every time you speak to him, he just tells you to F off. It's like, what are you doing hanging out with these characters? And over the course of your hangouts, they end up giving you gifts, even when they consistently hate you throughout the hangouts. And I would say they didn't necessarily nail the fluidity that's required there. Like it didn't feel very organic, your relationships with those people. It felt a bit shoehorned in, don't you reckon? Oh yeah, definitely. But again, it makes sense that you would just be able to hang out because there's no one else there to hang out with. It's like Yuri Knight, who's this power hungry guy, He seems pretty guilty and suspect from the off. It doesn't make any attempt to hide the fact he doesn't like you and that he's got ambitions to be on the council, all of this sort of thing. And when you hang out with him, you don't really like him. So you can flatter him if you want, but you can also just like snipe at him. And your hangouts just basically consist of you sniping at him over and over again, which was the option I took. But still, he gives you something and like gives you more information and that sort of thing. Because we should say, we didn't make it explicit, but the main reason you're talking to these people is to question them about the case. Yeah. And to like amass more evidence, alibis, witness statements, etc. This island is a thousand little tragedies waiting to be discovered. I must be the bad guy, right? (laughs) 
we didn't mention it explicitly, but there's a voiced dialogue in the game, but not all of the text is voiced at all. Each character has a bunch of catchphrases, which they sort of pop out the catchphrase that seems most appropriate during each bit of dialogue. And at times I like that, and at times I just found it so annoying. Yeah. Like, Love Dies has got this one where she's like, the investigator has arrived. And like, sometimes she just says things... Or some of the characters just say things that are at odds with the line of dialogue. Odds with the line of dialogue, and I'm like, you've, you've literally just said that as well. It's like yeah. you can't just say the same thing again and again and again and again in one bit of conversation. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work. So I'd be interested in your take on this because in the dialogue trees, each line of dialogue has a square bracketed description that tells you, the player, what avenue you're taking Mm -hmm. if you choose that option. So for instance, it will say question in the square brackets or it will say pry Mm. or it will say accuse or interrogate or something like that. And I'm not sure it was ever clear whether choosing one of those options affected any of the other options. I'm not really sure what the role of those square brackets was because to begin with, I was like, oh, I don't want to be too accusatory too soon in case I scare Mm. them off or like they clam up. And I think she even says that at one point when you discover some evidence, she's like, oh, I better not accuse anyone with this yet until I find some more evidence. But it's never clear when you have found supporting evidence that then allows you to accuse it. And if the line of dialogue's there, it seems like you can just choose it and it doesn't do anything. You're right, it's not clear at all. But there are a few times where you're talking to someone and you like don't mention something and they mention something first and then you're like, oh, I never mentioned the third seal. So how did you know about that kind of thing? Yeah. And you're never sure... Have you been able to do that because like you just got the right amount of evidence to trap them? Or is it just, did it not matter? Could I have gone to them at any point and got a similar outcome? Yeah. Not clear at all. What I was going to mention about Aikiko, there's no violence to you in the game. At no point are you under threat. In fact, it's kind of implied that you can't die. You can fall from any height on the island, for example, and not damage yourself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, as if this is part of like the, the, the perfectness of it all. Yeah. And kudos to the island designers, not Carmelina Silence, the architect <laughs> in the game, but the actual island designers. They've done a great job of creating an island that feels very different. You can move between different zones and they are really contrasting. And the heights that you can go to, like it's useful to be able to fall from a height because you can climb to the top of an epic tower, look out over the whole island, Mm. plot a route to wherever you want to go or like how you're going to get to a secret that you want to unlock and then just jump off the top of the building and make your way there. And that's super satisfying. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But what I was going to say is there's one point where you get a bit of evidence and she says, Love Dies says, oh, I don't want to go to Akiko too soon with this. She'll chop my head off. And at that point, I was like, what if I go to her, am I going to die? Like, what? What is this? So I was always really careful about talking to Akiko because I was worried that there was going to be some sort of fail state if I put a foot wrong with her. And I guess that's what I'm getting at with the square brackets is, is there a fail state? Is it the case that you can accuse someone too early and it locks out some of your other options? Because definitely there was a moment when I was chatting to Dr. Doom Jazz, and this wasn't foreshadowed at all, where I mentioned the guy god i can't remember his name now yuri knight no no the council member something eyes montserrat no thingy eyes oh eyes kawami eyes kawami that's it yeah just list every council member before you get to the right one but fair play good memory for names yeah when i mentioned him that i'd basically dug up his grave and checked his blood vial for the dna and he just lost it with me. He was like, I can't believe you desecrated my best friend's grave. I'll help you for a central lines of inquiry, but I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm done with you. Mm. And I thought at that point, like, have I actually locked myself out of dialogue options? But then there were loads of dialogue options with him afterwards. I don't believe it because you can get with Doom Jazz, right? And I still think that if you'd done that bit first, you'd still be able to get with him. They just make excuses. Like you can also get a Crimson Acid. And she's sort of like, yeah, this is just like a one-time thing. Don't expect me to treat you any differently afterwards. That's an easy way for the game to be like, this will have no effect on the other dialogue options. And it means that one could come before the other and it wouldn't seem like it was out of place. Yeah. So this comes on quite well to what I thought wasn't so good about the game in hindsight is that you're just a clue hoover. And it felt like you could do anything in any order, hoover up all the clues, press all the dialogue options, and then get to the end. And then fair, at the end, you do have a choice about who you're going to give evidence towards and stuff. But I thought, well, 
there's no point where I feel like, oh, I found my truth now and now I'm going to end. It's just like, wait until I've got no more exclamation marks to look at. Yeah. Okay. That I definitely agree with you on. At the very beginning of the game, the voice, it might even be judge, says to you, you can end the game at any time. Just mm. come back and speak to me when you've decided on a truth and who you're going to accuse. And we'll straight away go into the trials, which we'll come to. But as you say, you're not inclined to do that because while you've still got exclamation marks on the map, they're not actually exclamation marks, they're hearts. But while you've still got secrets to discover, you don't want to just go and end it because you might get the wrong result. So I'm imagining other players like you and I would speak to everyone, would find everything before they go to the trials, at which point I can see why you would say you're more like a clue hoover. That being said, isn't that the case with all detective games? Isn't it the case with most games, in fact, that especially mystery games, that that is your job. You discover the mysteries. The fun is, is that you're trying to solve the mystery in your head in advance of the new clues. Mm. But then obviously, as soon as you get a new clue, then you reapprise. That is the game, but that's really fun. And so I, I don't think it's a fair accusation to the game to say you're just a clue hoover because I loved being a clue hoover. So <laughs> I don't demean the clue hoover. <laughs> Yeah, uh, all right. I, I mean, but it did feel a little bit like an episode of Midsummer Murders because you're tying <laughs> you're tying the threads together, sure, and at different points, different people seem suspect, but it almost felt like it was dangled in front of me in a little bit too obvious sometimes. Like in Midsummer Murders, the flow is always... It's, like, it's nearly always the first person you see, but then there's like three red herrings along the way. And to be fair, I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh because I do actually think the motivations and the intricacies of each person's motivation for doing the crime are, like, well-threaded. Yeah, and their backstories. And their backstories and stuff. But that's why it makes more sense now when you said that people thought it was a bit of a dating sim, because that's the game, really, is, like, getting to know these people, I felt. You didn't think so? That's definitely a part of the game, for sure. But I also do think the sense of exploration and discovery, mm. it's a childlike sense that you have while you're playing it like oh what if i go over there what am i going to find it's almost like if i turn over this rock will there be a clue mm. that's not an experience you have in your everyday is it whereas in this game it takes you back to that and it does that classic thing of you go to a big door and it says you can't get in and the building's enormous and you think oh i'm just gonna run around this entire building <laughs> just in case there's a back entrance or just in case there's a hidden secret or a ladder to the roof that's great. That's so lovely. It's like you get there and you're sort of excited to explore behind the building. When do you get that in life normally? Yeah, yeah. And as you say, the reward is these clues and the unravelling of the story and no more or less than that. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's why I was disappointed with what actually happened because throughout the game, as we've said multiple times now, you're piecing it together from the facts and clues that you find. But then suddenly, quite late into the game, you just find a whole new character. Hmm. Not only is a whole new character, he just confesses to doing the crime right in front of you when you find him in a hidden bunker. Hmm. And sure, it leads to some other lines of inquiry. But at that point, you're like, well, I know that he at least did it. He's definitely involved in it beyond refute. Yeah. And then it's just a case of figuring out whether there were other characters involved and to what extent they were involved. But then again, this is another thing that disappointed me is that initially it seems like everyone in town's a suspect, but then it actually turns out pretty much everyone in town did do it. <laughs> There's two competing conspiracies and most people in the game are guilty. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, well, no wonder they seem guilty. They were. <laughs> I agree. That is a bit of a cop out. I definitely think that. On the other hand, I think it's quite hard for them to, with so few characters, to develop so many potentially viable lines of inquiry for them all to resolve to nothing. Because how do you do that effectively? And they sort of did in some ways. Like some of the excuses that the key players who were actually involved in the crime, some of the excuses they give <laughs> seem perfectly plausible. Like you find tire marks on the top of a building and you're like, oh, Lydia's the only one with a car. It must be her. You speak to her about it and she's like, yeah, I drive all over this island and like the sunsets here are incredible. I obviously park on the top of high buildings and on top of like mountains and stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, I suppose. Mm. And then another time you find a letter that she's written 
No, it's lyrics. It's song lyrics where she's like talking about her dissatisfaction with living on the island and the council life and stuff. Mm. And you're like, oh, so she's been lying because she told me that she was a part of it. And you go and speak to her and she's like, well, yeah, they're like really emo lyrics. So I was really unhappy with them. And that's why I threw them away. It's embarrassing they've been found again. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. You're a songwriter. Doesn't make you a criminal. Do you know what I mean? So they do manage to do that with some of the clues. Yeah. But there are a lot more that turn out. But like generally in this... If it looks and talks, is it, it looks and quacks like a duck or whatever it is, a duck, is that the same? Something like that, yeah, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we should say that every character in this game has the most impeccable poker face you've ever encountered. Yeah. So they're always straight ready with a very good excuse for anything you bring to them. Exactly like you just described a few instances there. Which does make you think like, uh, you get this evidence and you're like, yes, I've got them. And then they come up with an excuse and you're like, oh, actually, yeah. That's also plausible kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. They're so convincing that even in the trial where you've got all your evidence laid out, you start making your accusations and other characters start chipping in with like, oh yeah, because of this and start blaming each other and sort of backing up your accusations. When like the witness to the end turned around and was like, no, you're wrong. I didn't do it. I was like, oh shit, maybe I am wrong. Like he seems like a really nice, earnest guy and he's just a God-fearing man, you know? Yeah, but this, so I said that everyone or a lot of the people on the island are guilty. You do definitely like some of them more than others. And we might as well say who's done it. So the person that you find, your Deus Ex Machina, is Carmelina Silence's son which no one on the island knows is alive or even exists apart from her. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of the perfect tool for her to do these council murders. Especially because she's had an illicit relationship with one of the council members. So he's got council blood. She's also hacked flesh off a god and fused it with his body. So he's also got god blood. So he's able to get through both the seals. And because Carmelina Silence is the architect, She's developed these secret corridors that sort of transcend time and space. And she's able to get from one side of the island to the other in a split second kind of thing. Mm. And that's the way she's been hiding him and getting him around the island and all that kind of stuff. So she's able to get almost into the actual room where the council members were killed, but not quite. Yeah, she'd been planning it for a while. She enlisted Yuri Knight and used his desire for power as a lure for him. She promised him a new place on the council and also Akiko, who wants more power for her marshals, which is quite a compelling motivation for the crime. Essentially, all of her marshals that she's in charge of are citizens. So they all have to be killed at the end of each island. And this is like breaking her heart because she absolutely loves her soldiers. So she wants to elevate them to syndicate level so that she can keep them with them on each island, which I think is a really good motivation. Yeah. She had the most like heartfelt motivation in the game, I felt. Yeah, because Carmelina's was that she just felt slighted. She wasn't a council member, even though she was the creator of the island, she felt underappreciated. Once there was a perfect island, what would she do anymore? Because that's her whole purpose fulfilled, etc. Yeah. And she's like the grand, well, she is, they call her the architect, but she is the architect of the crime, really, isn't she? Or the architect of one of them, as you say, they're two competing conspiracies. So these three, you kind of feel, are doing it for quite evil ends. Whereas the competing conspiracy, which involves The Witness and Sam and Lydia Daybreak, they're doing it because Sam and Lydia just want out. They've had enough of island life and want to explore the real world again. And The Witness, as you say, he's evangelical. He doesn't feel that the syndicate is pursuing their true aim, which is to resurrect the gods. Clearly they're not. Like They've totally dropped the ball on that. His reason's a bit more pure as well. But Sam and Lydia Daybreak especially, because they're part of your old gang, you don't want to accuse them. And I did accuse them at the end and immediately regretted it. And then you execute everyone who's involved. And I was like, I really wish I hadn't done that. I really wish I'd just left them out, accused those three and left it at that. I wonder whether the game would do anything differently. Because I know, for instance, auto travel, the fast travel between areas that you can unlock is carried out by Lydia because she's got the car. So as soon as you kill her at the end, then you don't have fast travel anymore. Mm. Did you end the game in the same way? Yeah, yeah. Two competing conspiracies. Mm. And you revealed it all to judge. Exactly. Yeah, I revealed everything. But there's no reason that you had to. And afterwards, I just thought... Am I role-playing as, like, Lady Love dies, who all the way through, she's like, crime is perverse, 
all crime should be punished. Like she's super evangelical about crimes being punished and turning the right facts into the right truth. That's like her God-given mission. Mm. But then I thought afterwards, like, is this really what she'd have wanted? Like, is it what I wanted? And then the ending's so cold. You travel to the next island and nothing's really changed. Like you get a bunch of dialogue options all the way through where you can express the sort of the corruptness and this island thing is not a good thing. But then you'll just carry on on the next island. I don't know. It just left me feeling really cool at the end. I sort of know what you mean. Although if you go back and speak to some of the characters... Oh, I bloody executed them all. (laughs) Not all of them, because there are a couple left, aren't there? There's like one one kiss or whatever, one last kiss, Doctor Doom Jazz, Crimson Crimson Acid. Acid is alive as well. And if you go and chat with Crimson Acid, she's like, oh, when we get to the next island, can I work for your Paradise Psycho unit? Which is like the crime-solving unit. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice. Doctor Doom Daz didn't really give me anything. There's the option to say to all of them, I still think there's something wrong here, which is kind of weird because it leaves you thinking, maybe you miscalculated somewhere along the line. Mm. But actually, I think it's just giving you the option to execute or exile the remaining characters as well if you're a particularly sadistic person Mm. which I didn't do one thing I loved about the trial though (laughs) and actually it probably is the only moment where I was laughing out loud quite a lot is it's got like a game show vibe about it yeah it's true it's so calm when it starts it's like (laughs) truth or fact and it's like do you want to accuse them? And they're like, don't accuse them, don't accuse them. It's like, it feels really hype, like you're watching a TV game mm. show. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that the trial did do quite well, which I'm glad it did, because you amass a huge body of evidence for all of these different characters, and it organises it all for you. So as you're accusing each character of each crime, you can flick between them to see sort of how many items of evidence you have. And initially you're kind of like well the more evidence i have i guess it's got to be them but then you do judge a little bit like the quality of the evidence yeah because henry division has a lot being held against him but most of it's bollocks yeah exactly and then as people are charged guilty for these various crimes at the end they all start to turn on each other as soon as one goes down they all just start to topple yeah exactly but even then i started to wonder despite the evidence that i held in my hand and that i'd leveled as accusations when they started to accuse each other, I was like, oh, but they would do this. Like, they're trying to deflect. They're trying to be like, well, if I'm going down, I'm taking you down with me kind of thing. Mm. So there's always that going on. And I quite like that, how it does simulate that quite well, I think. If you've ever played the Ace Attorney games, have you ever played those, the Capcom ones? No, I haven't. I'm surprised you have. Uh, but they were released on phones. And I used uh... to, like, we're going back away now. But like a decade ago or something, I played a lot of phone games when they were kind of still cool, as it were, pre-Candy Crush and all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, it got ported to one of the phones I had anyway. So I played it on that and I did really enjoy them. But there's so many that I obviously wasn't going to keep up playing them. But like the trial reminded me of that a little bit in the sort of like you make an accusation and then your character like points and it's like all drawn. Yeah. The only thing we didn't mention, and that I think contradicts one of the things you said earlier, which is about being the clue hoover, is one of the ways the game stops you from discovering things too soon that would kind of ruin the game is with these nightmare computers that you have to unlock the keys for. Mm. And you sort of discover the keys as you're exploring the world. And then once you've got them, you can unlock the nightmare computer and then you can access a new area. In that way, it holds back crucial evidence for key stages of the game. But I've got to say, I didn't love that mechanic and the puzzles that you actually solve. So what you're really doing is getting the clue to a cipher, isn't it? Yeah. That was just too simplistic. They may as well have just hidden keys. And when you find the key, you can access the area. Having the nightmare computer and a little puzzle for you to solve didn't really add anything for me. No, the only thing it kept it in line with the aesthetic of the game, I thought. Like a little bit weird, a little bit esoteric got your starlight computer involved a little bit more which obviously when you open the menu the in-game menu is like your starlight laptop and there are these endless starlight skins which are just backgrounds which you can put so many yeah like why i I mean i changed mine once and then didn't touch it again but you must unlock about a hundred yeah and you can buy more as well from crimson acid with your currency of blood vials you have so much money that i bought all of those just because i wanted to see if you could buy them all but yeah, no, you're right. Those nightmare computer puzzles doesn't really add much other than like a slight change of pace for a brief moment. 
the main reason is that gating so that the plot is paced a little bit differently. We haven't got to the music, which is classic, essential uh, yeah. pixel vision required talking. Oh, it's essential talking point for this game, especially because it makes it so much more playable. Like You're having fun because it's as if you've got your headphones on, bumping out these tunes. Your unlockables include new tracks of music, yeah. don't they? And you can skip the tune or, or repeat a tune at any time, like, yeah. really easily. None of this Death Stranding, go to a room, sit somewhere, exclusively listen to it there. Instead, as you're running around, you literally just use the D-pad to flip between tracks. Mm. It's a great function. And the tunes are wicked. Like, the whole game, for me, was like, if the band The Similu was a game, it would be this game. Forecast mostly sunny skies today with risky Expect a high year 52 degrees. Like, the reason we had that reference to Rainbow Styling in the intro is because that's what it's like. It's that really cool cruising, like, oh, there's so many good sort of neon synth pads and like porno sax and fat bass lines. It's totally my aesthetic, that audio aesthetic. Like remember the names of the track. Oh, that's the sound that I miss. Oh, that's the sound that I miss. That's the sound that I miss. That's like the only bit of research I did. Really? Yeah, I made sure that I could give you my favourite track. It's the only way that I know you're going to play it in the edit. You see, slightly self-serving. <laughs> okay, go on then. What is your favourite track? I like the end of the world. It's quite standout, I'd say. It doesn't sound as much like all the rest of them. It's got a bit of a Cat Empire beat there, but a bit more electronica. Right. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, I'll play it and the audience can see. So the music's by an artist called Epoch, mm -hmm. who only has about 4,000 listens on Spotify. And I assume that's mostly people tuning in since playing the game. Mm. So probably that number's going to climb as the game gains recognition. But great, great music. Really reminded me of the group Prep. Um, there's a brilliant track they've got called Don't Bring Me Down. And also Love on a Real Train by uh, Tangerine Dream, the German synth-pop band. Do you know that? Don't know that one. I knew the first one. You shared that with me, but I don't oh, know that. Oh, you will one. know it, I reckon. But the weird thing is, I don't know whether it's just we've been inculcated to associate these things. But the colour scheme, the visuals, and the music just matched one another so perfectly. Like, so perfectly. I can't really describe it. I mean, it's just really well choreographed, directed, curated style, isn't it? They've thought it through and followed it through perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, they have. It reminded me a little bit, it didn't really make sense because it's nothing like this game, but it reminded me a little bit of GTA San Andreas as well because of that tropical vibe and there's so much music in that game. Yeah, yeah. You're often running around buildings to see if you can get into them and there are these little collectibles on the ground in the same way. Yeah, yeah. More manageable though, because it's on a smaller scale. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So like, I think this is one of the only games that I can remember platinuming or like basically getting completionist. But I don't know if I did because I don't think there's any achievements or trophies, are there? No, nothing to track, which I respected to an extent. Although I would maybe have liked a little indication. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I'm a little bit disappointed. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've literally maxed out every hangout, spoken to everyone, found every discoverable, got all the music, etc. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted just a teeny little square to pop up and be like, completionist. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about like Montserrat very much and like the councils... I mean, we said that they had failed in their religious mission to resurrect the gods. And we said that they were corrupt, but Montserrat's sort of a bit of a, a strange figure. There are pictures of him up all over the island. 
And he's got this kind of like white suit on and this crazy crown and says things like the quote I wrote down, which I thought was quite good, was you can't build pyramids without slaves. And I just thought that was quite a nice quote from him. <laughs> That's sort of his justification for using citizens in the way that he does. I'm sure the Red Dead Redemption 2 devs would agree with that. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe that is a, a little swipe at the big gaming studios. The whole game is just an allegory for games development. <laughs> Modern game development. <laughs> Maybe it is. All the citizens are sacrificed to make the next perfect game. Yeah, maybe it is. That kind of works. The allegory is with... Allegory is probably the wrong phrase for it. But it's a study of how people would behave given immortality and a close-lit circle of, like, members. Narcissists. Narcissists, yeah. It is. It's It's a bit of a critique of the human soul, isn't it? That's the tagline for this one. A critique of the human soul. (laughs) All right, well, look, I do think that it's imperfect for sure, but for what it is and the scale of the game, like it's what, eight to ten hours of gameplay probably, something like that. and small team as well. Yeah, two, well, I don't know how many people, but the creators are, there's just two of them, Ollie Clark, Mm. Smith and Phil Crabtree. Yeah. And I definitely think they deserve a shout out, brilliant job. Like 100% I'd play a sequel if they go to Island 25 and you're like head of the Paradise Psycho unit. That would be sweet. I would definitely play that game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And another one of those games, like Obradin, I suppose, where you just think, oh, maybe I could make a game. <laughs> it doesn't seem like out of reach of our like creative ambitions sort of thing, if we had those creative ambitions. Which is inspiring for people playing it. Yeah, and it's a testament to how effectively they've worked with limited resources. Like like mm. we said about the paper cutouts, that could look shit. It doesn't. Mm. They've done it in line with the art style and it's quirky. Mm. It's kind of quirky glam, if anything. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, I think, I think we've got everything now. I've definitely uh, said everything that I wanted to say. All right. So we're now uh, cruising for a bruising, I think, aren't we, Tay? We are cruising for a bruising, yeah. What game have we got coming? What game have you got coming up, I should say? Yeah, because you've already played a little bit of it. Already completed it. Getting ahead. It's a short game, so hopefully it won't take me too long to complete. Uh, But it is Ghost Runner. Yeah. Another game which looks like it's got a pretty strong aesthetic, but uh, very much an action twitch reflex one. So yeah, we'll see how I get on with that. Cyberpunk Parker game. Hmm. Parker. Parkour. Not like the coat, Parker. Not, no. Or the pen. Or the, or the pen. Or the uh, butler from Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah. Or the... Ah, I got you. <laughs> Parking inspector. Just made my list off 1,000 and grow a little more. But a parking inspector. You won't believe what I saw. I want the back of the ticket with invisible type Was a map to the place with 1,000 lights And a key that was one to that spot by the sea Where the breeze blows underneath that island tree I'll try and put on some sort of character voice I imagine you're sort of like disco stew <laughs> All the way back to episode one. Disco Stew. (laughs) No, only only episode one I mentioned Disco Stew. The return of Disco Stew. (laughs) Yeah, back to Disco Stew days. Should should you do a bit of beachfront? Ah. 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 (laughs) We both Ah. just went for the goals.